0: Hello my loves. Welcome to Raw Empowerment. This is a journey that has been inspired by some incredible soul connections that have showed me the most positive forms of vulnerability and what it can do. It allows us to connect to one another and recognize that no one is ever, ever alone. Let us ignite this space to celebrate everything that makes us human in its rawest and truest form. Allow this to be a space to reflect, a space to grow, a space to heal, and most importantly, a space to love. Namaste. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to a truly beautiful and co-creative episode with the lovely Vivian Bent Thomas, who is this soul that I've not only had the pleasure of meeting and working with on the other side of the world in vibrant, colorful Zanzibar, but also just being able to share human connection with, break down walls, us talk about our experiences together, and also talk a lot about mental wellness. It has been such an honor to have this inspirational light in my life, because that is what she has been for myself and so many others, truly an inspiration. Her voice, as you will see, is not only magnetic, but it can move mountains. And that voice has most recently been put on a paper, which is so exciting in her new book, which is how to slay with a faulty brain thermostat, an African woman's perspective on living with bipolarity, a tap into her world, which has touched myself and so many others on such a deep level. So it's truly an honor to share with her in this space today for us to be able to talk about cross-cultural mental wellness. And without further ado, I am beyond honored to shed the light over to Vivian, my dear friend. Allow her to share with you all what sets her soul on fire most. And of course, just be able to tell you all a little bit more about her story and what has brought her up
1: into this point today. Vivian, thank you. Thank you, Carly. It's such a pleasure to be here talking to you. Um, It's been a while since um, uh, just been communicating with people. What sets my soul on fire? Um, After thinking about it, I think what sets my soul on fire most is just working with people in a care environment. Like um, I've looked back through the years and the the times that have um, made me feel whole are all the times that I was uh, working in areas where I was helping people. So um, I've spent time in cancer care, uh, giving back to at the hospital with little kids, um, obviously where we met in Give uh, in Zanzibar, not just where we worked in Give um, in, the, in that village, but I also worked in another village at a school. Um, and also just uh, here in Kenya with uh, family when someone needs help. So when I'm not doing that and I'm very much focused on like work that is on a computer, I feel as if my soul dies a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that's what sets my soul on fire is uh, helping people as much as I possibly can um, with what has been given to me. Give
0: us a little, a little bit about. You, um, I know you just touched on it, but um, born and raised in Kenya, um, a little bit more of your background
1: um, and what has led you to the now? Uh, Yes, as like you've said, um, I was born in Kenya. Um, I'm not gonna say how many years ago. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) But I spent my teen years in the UK, Uh, also went to university in the United Kingdom. where that's where I met my um, husband, who's now my ex-husband, but we had like a fabulous relationship and decided to move back to um, Africa. He was Ugandan, I'm Kenyan, which gave me an opportunity to experience more of Africa. So we also moved to live in Tanzania. So that's like East Africa covered. Mm -hmm. And it was um, during that time um, that I was diagnosed when I when I'd moved back to um, Kenya after having my first my first child I have a daughter she's 12 years old now <laughs> uh, I was diagnosed with having bipolar type 2 which was um, quite a shock for me because um, I'd been experiencing really intense depression um, like really crippling depression depression that would last for a month at a time where I couldn't do anything and I couldn't understand it because um, there was nothing wrong in my life. It, to all intents and purposes, I had a pretty good pretty good life. I had a beautiful, beautiful daughter. I had um, a husband who actually who loved me um, and I had the support of family. We were a middle-class family, not struggling in any sense of the word. Um, even though I wasn't working, it wasn't like I didn't have um, money just simply because of the people who were surrounding me. My mother suggested I go see a counselor. And within the first session, the counselor was like, I think I know what's wrong, Vivian. I think I know what's wrong with you and referred me to um, a psychiatrist. I had to go to three different psychiatrists before I accepted that I, am, I have bipolar. Um, and the reason for that is because uh, mental health or uh, an issue with mental health is something that is still stigmatized in, in this community, in, in my African community, in Kenya specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I knew that my father also had struggled from mental health issues. And um, it was his mental health issues that had... Um, You could either say directly or indirectly led to to him losing his life Mm. and I couldn't imagine that that was the path that I was also supposed to be going on. I think that's that's the basics of uh, what my background is. Mm. Um, Now after getting my diagnosis and eventually after I accepted because I had a friend who's a psychiatrist that I'd met in the UK. You know, sometimes the universe sends people to you and you don't know why. So the fact that I had this friend who I'd met years ago and we call each other twins because it's like we have like a twin soul. We're very, we look very different, but she'll message me at a time when I need her most or I'll message her at a time when she needs me most. And we're like, ah, my god that's so that's so weird (laughs) while I was coming out from the psychiatrist she messaged me and I was like I started crying I was in the middle of the road and I'm crying and I'm explaining to her and because she was a psychiatrist she helped me walk through this path so um, now my path of trying to gain mental health is through um, trying more natural methods simply because when I think about um, my own ancestors, maybe the reason why they had less mental health issues is because they weren't living the kind of stressful lives that um, we are currently living here. And when I, the people in my bipolar group are all people living in the city and I can see how much, like they keep on um, going up and down, up and down as in their What's the word I'm looking for? They, they go through health periods and then they go down and then healthy periods and then they go down again, mm-hmm. and that yo-yo I believe may be partly because of the amount of pressure and stress that exists with a modern, um, a modern lifestyle. Yeah. So uh, my aim is to slowly start. Um, taking up a life that looks more similar to my grandmother's life than what the modern world life looks like. That's beautiful.
0: And how many, are there examples of some ways that you've already been able to
1: kind of shift that? Okay. So um, I've, I've begun incorporating um, uh, exercise activities into my life. Mm -hmm. And I want to do it in a more natural method when I eventually move, because at the moment I'm not able to. Mm-hmm. But um, I find that if I have, if I spend a lot more time doing physical things outside, the my depression levels are lower. Mm-hmm. So when I'm spending a lot of time on the computer studying um, and just, you know, doing the stuff that I need to do that's computer-based. I'll definitely not have as good a day as the times when I'll choose to go and do like my drawings or paintings outside or I'll go and do some um, uh, uh, planting outside. So we have a little garden outside. So I have some, a few um, plants that I'll I'll do that with. Um, also in terms of sleep, because mm-hmm in my grandmother's generation there was nothing like staying up until late because there was no electricity Mm -hmm. there's nothing there was nothing else to do other than maybe you know you can chat with each other for some time and i remember when i used to go visit her we'd sleep pretty pretty early even if we'd like stay up talking there's not that much time because the light is gone so you'd eventually just fall asleep naturally like there's your brain is just like okay now yeah it's time to sleep <laughs> yeah like i'm ready yes i'm ready and then um also my grandmother's generation they didn't have as much access to sugar mm. right so mm. that's something that i'm really struggling with yeah though um i'm a real sugar addict <laughs> <laughs> yeah we love our chocolate <laughs> But it, there's, uh, I can clearly see a link between when I try to eat a lot, a lot healthier. Yes. And by healthier, uh, healthier, I don't just mean um, cutting out the sugars, etc., mm-hmm. but also trying to eat foods that um, we would naturally have been eating at my grandmother's, yes. at my grandmother's house. Because yeah. they're very, very different. It's not as easy to do it. Honestly, it's not that easy to eat the way she used to eat. Yeah. Um, but I think when I finally am in the village, I think it will be a lot easier because the traditional vegetables will be easily accessible. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And that's that's so true. I just, I personally, myself, have tried to cut out even processed foods, or like you said, the sugars, and I can notice a huge difference, even in anxiety, or like my restriction mm-hmm. of my chest with, with breathing, sometimes it just feels a lot lighter, when you start eating more nourishing foods like that.
1: Yes, yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, something that I'm trying to incorporate into my, into my life as well, is um, positive affirmations, which I'd, yeah. I'd started and stopped. But so I had a, a relapse um, at the towards the end of last year mm-hmm. and which continued on to this year. Uh, before that, I used to try and do a lot of more um, talk to myself positively, I'd say. I'd talk to myself in a positive way, which had relap- which had stopped. Because um, I had a hysterectomy mm-hmm. which sort of upended my life a lot so all the things that i used to do i just couldn't do anymore yeah so um i think now restarting that has really made also uh a difference because there are some days when i'm feeling like i'm the mm, i don't know what word well i can use the word the shittiest person ever yeah yeah but then having to kind of remind myself okay no Vivian, you're able to do this. You're able to do that. You've done this for this person, or you've done this for this person. You've been doing this in your, in your life, yeah. and um, there's this one particular audio that um, talks about um, loving yourself and being love yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's part of something else that I want to, I want to incorporate. I think. when I link everything back to my grandmother, Mm -hmm. I remember one of the things that I miss most from her is um, whenever life would be down, I'd go, I'd go sit and talk to her. She had the most amazing ways to look at life. Yeah. um, That really helped me a lot. So for example, Um, my ex, my husband and I split up. And so now we're having issues with um, who was going to live with my child. Mm. So he was very insistent that she live with him. So I went to my grandmother and I was so distraught. Um, I didn't know what, like, I I couldn't imagine a life without my child. And she was very matter-of-factly in that kind of sage old wisdom kind of way she was like, Vivian, as a mother, there's no way your child will ever be lost from you. Mm. It doesn't matter even if she's taken now, you will find that she will bring herself to you because there's a connection between a mother and a child that can't be broken. And then she told me something that changed my life. She told me, find a way to introduce him to a new wife. Mm. What? how what what are you talking about what exactly are you trying to tell me no way I can't do that so I went back home and after a few maybe a month or so I was like maybe she's right and you wouldn't believe it the person I introduced him to Mm -hmm. they actually did end up getting married I attended their wedding oh my god And because of her that my connection to my daughter stayed so strong for a long time because when we are having issues, I'd just call her and she'd be like, okay, yeah, let me get, she'd tell me how my daughter is or Mm -hmm. give her the phone for us to speak. It made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So I also want to like get that different way of thinking that comes with a different lifestyle. Some, someone else would have told me, Vivian go to court, but if I'd gone to court, my daughter Her spirit would have suffered through that um so part that's part of mental health to me is like finding different ways to look at situations Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely
0: and have you do you think it really rooted with your grandmother specifically being raised with that uh just knowing that having different perspectives or how you speak to yourself or how you speak about a situation being really linked to your mental wellness
1: I do now, I didn't I didn't think so before, mm-hmm. but I do now because I just hadn't processed it. So during that time, um, in like the past uh, couple of years, I also started um, studying um, mental health as a counselor mm-hmm. in order to become a counselor. And um, some of the theories that we're learning, I kind of realized, actually, um, this is what my grandmother was saying, but in her own what we'd call uneducated way. Yeah, yeah. These are the things that, sh- that um, she was actually giving to me. Because I always used to find whenever I'd go um, and just hang out with her without other people around, mm-hmm. um, I'd leave with a very um, calm heart. So it's the connection, I've only made the connection after doing a counseling course and learning about mental health. Was she one of your biggest support systems through that time would I say that she was the one of the biggest I'd say she was one of she was the most important mm-hmm. but I don't want to say she was the biggest mm-hmm. um because I, I think there's a distinction that is there's, there's a distinction there because the things that she, the times that I'd be with her would be very minimal mm-hmm. but whatever I'd leave with her would leave a very strong Um, a strong impression on me. But there's other people who I probably relied on a lot more Mm -hmm. just in terms of like um, financial help. But when it came to really gaining a mental health support system and feeling like I really truly belonged in the world, I'd have to say give probably gave me that Mm -hmm. more than anywhere else that I've been because um, like we always used to say, there's something about the people who come together and give in terms of how a little a little bit crazy some, some <laughs> of us are. <laughs> a
0: little bit, a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, and it was so nice to find a group of people where I didn't have to pretend or I didn't have to act as if I was more sane than I am, Mm -hmm. that it was, you could fit in even with your more colorful edges. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, And after give, going straight into mental health, learning about mental health in a more in-depth way, Mm -hmm. I now understand it, but um, I'd say getting counseling probably also rooted me a lot more Mm -hmm. Like it brought everything together, getting counseling, because now I understood I was able to um, forgive my Mm ex-husband for the for what had gone on. And I was able to empathize with him Mm -hmm. for the position that he was in. And once I learned to see him in a different light and choose to see him in a different light Mm -hmm. and empathize with his situation, Mm -hmm. I also realized. That is what my grandmother was t- saying to me, but not in those words mm-hmm. because she d- she never said um, he's a bad person. Someone else, other people would be like, oh my God, he's like, how can he do this? How can he do this? How can he do this? Mm-hmm. No, instead she was like, here's another way to handle the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do this. There was no, nothing ever negative. She never said anything negative about him right? And by giving me other ways, it meant that was just another way of empathizing, which is now why I really want to combine a traditional way of life with what we know, what I'm learning from a counseling perspective. And if by putting them together, will that completely change my bipolar journey? Yes. Will I be able so for since um after my hysterectomy and i had a relapse Mm -hmm. um the relapse was pretty bad my depression was really really bad Mm -hmm. and the only um option that i had was to go on medication Mm -hmm. which i've not been on medication for a really long time and i hated the idea of doing that Mm -hmm. but sometimes you have an acute situation and you have to handle that yes but I'm now a lot more serious about making the life choice not to allow myself to live where I'm living. Because I think if I was living in a world that was um, more forgiving of different changes in your life situation or things happening in your life situation, um, the relapse would not have been as as bad. Mm, So, for example, um, where I was living, I was very isolated. Uh, A traditional kind of life that's not city based is not isolating. Yes. Um, And our I think as people, we're social animals Mm -hmm. and having a lot of people around or having people around. And of course, Covid didn't help. Yeah, (laughs) of course. but living um, living in the in a rural setting, it would even have been easier to mix with people and social distance, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So I'm now my aim now is to combine that, and maybe if I'm successful, I can bring it forward to other people who are trying to live a life where that is more more natural, yes, without all the medication. So the group that I, I'm in a bipolar group. Mm -hmm. And I see people complaining of relapses all the time. And they're complaining of the effects the drugs are having on them. Um, And they're complaining about not being able to afford medication. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, there was a young man recently who was on the group and he posted that he was done. He was done with life. He couldn't do this anymore. He was about to be kicked out of his house. Cause he couldn't maintain a stable a stable job yeah but i think it's just because of the maybe our bipolar brains are not meant to be living the kind of modern lifestyle mm. that um, we have been placed in yes. they may need a different sort of um, environment mm. yeah
0: and i have i mean i know you're still about to make this transformation but um, is this more intuition or is this stemmed from other people you've recognized do similar journeys and have successes?
1: Um, the reason why I refuse to, to talk, I, refu- I don't want to ever say such and such a person had a success story. Yeah. is because the first person who I was introduced to um, as a success story yeah. was a young man and his success story was a success story about, you know, just handling bipolar and his job and in life and medicine. Um, and so I followed his story for a while mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, is this actually possible? Okay, let me follow, let me follow this success story. Yeah. The thing with bipolarity is, unless you're looking at someone's whole life, mm-hmm. Can never call it a. You you can never be sure that it's a success story. Of course. So this particular young man, at a certain point, um, I was as I always was. I I used to look for to see what he's doing. At a certain point, I found out that he'd taken his life. Now I don't want to say that him losing his life was, was um, a failure, for him because he lived. He had lived a life and um for his family they were grateful for the life that he lived it's like if someone loses their life to cancer have they failed or did was their journey just over yeah i'm not i'm not totally sure Mm -hmm. Um, but i don't want to look at other so i don't want to look at other people's lives and their stories and what is unless i can look at your life from beginning to end because you can find a success story in every single, um, with someone doing every single different type of thing. You'll find someone who's claiming a success story and they're on medication, Mm -hmm. but it's not working for me. And you'll find someone who's uh, a success story and they're doing X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. Um, So my, for my aim, it would simply be to create an alternative. Mm. This is an alternative to if what you're doing is not working for you, mm-hmm. this could be an alternative of, of another way to live because for someone else, maybe they're perfectly fine and perfectly happy um, being on medication. Mm-hmm. and um, and But I don't want them to tell me it's successful doing this because I'm yes. not I'm not finding that as a success for me. Yes. So um, it's a very personal uh, choice and personal journey. Yeah. Um, I just want there to be that option because it is never given as an option when you go to see the psychiatrist. Yeah. Always the option that they'll give you is is the medication, mm-hmm. and that's because there's just no there's just not not been any um people talking about it yeah there's someone else i also read about who talked about going off of sugar Mm -hmm. and it making a huge difference to his bipolarity as a sugar addict i've definitely tried it (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think he's right Mm -hmm. but also at the same time um if you if you cannot live without the sugar It may actually, it can do you more harm than good if you're actually struggling, right? So maybe something else would um, help you better. But in terms of success stories Mm -hmm. that I've come across Mm -hmm. here in Africa, uh, maybe you'll have more um, stories in the West because maybe more people have tried it. But I've not actually come across um, stories of what I'm looking to do, Mm -hmm yeah yeah in my homeland
0: no but that's beautiful because you're right just if there's a way of even having more modalities of healing that's on an individual personal level which is how care should be given and mm-hmm. that's what's going to make the difference one way or the other because you're right it's obviously no one's textbook
1: Yes, for sure, for sure, and I, and that's also something that I learned from um, from counselling mm. is that they teach you there's each person has their own solution for their problem within them. Yes, right. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I'm also trying to make it find the solution to my my problem. Mm. I don't. Yeah. Problem in quotations because <laughs> I think if I if I'm able to be successful. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm going to be telling people do this. Yeah, I'm going to be telling people start deconstructing your life and figuring out what is working for you. Because at the moment, the the one size fits all that mental health is giving us or the mental health industry is giving us doesn't make sense because there is no one size fits all. We know that based on genes. Yeah. Um, Jeans may, may fit you, but they won't fit me. Um, <laughs> so just like encouraging people, okay, let's go. What, with each sector, what works for you? What doesn't work for you? Mm-hmm. So for one person, cause as flat out, they'll tell you, okay, no alcohol cause alcohol, etc., is bad. I can handle not taking alcohol. Yeah, But I know people who, alcohol has become so much a part of their life mm-hmm that if you were to tell them not to to take it sometimes it can do more harm than good my grandmother was actually used to drink a lot she used to drink quite a lot Mm -hmm. um and she lived to 94. it it wouldn't make sense that actually doesn't make sense that someone who was drinking as much as she was drinking should have been able to live and stay healthy up until the age of 94. and um we were thinking okay maybe if she wasn't drinking maybe she would have lived longer but maybe if we'd have made her stop drinking maybe she she wouldn't have been able to live as long because her body had gotten so uh, attuned to taking the alcohol like she was doing yeah uh, so each it, you have to tailor uh, a solution for um, for everyone and that includes mental health not- yeah yeah, just a more
0: holistic view of things. Do you think that, have, have you noticed that dialogue of more holistic approaches coming from more like your friends and like the, your community? Or are you actually starting to notice some of that talk happening in Kenya in regards to other counselors or other psychiatrists as well?
1: Definitely the word holistic has started popping up. Mm-hmm. Especially with the younger counselors mm-hmm. the word holistic has started popping up. Um, uh, when you're learning when you're learning about counseling mm-hmm. um, you learn the theories based on the way they were first uh, made and that is from a Western perspective mm-hmm. but then we're then asked to um, integrate it into how does this fit into, an African setting. What does this look like um, to someone who is living in a slum area? How can you tailor make this to someone who is living um, in an informal settlement and is quite poor? Or how can you tailor make this to an old, an old man who doesn't understand um, when you tell them uh, about the equality of the sexes mm-hmm. and things like that, yeah. because they're eighty yeah. um, and they've been living in this in this particular in in their generation, that's just how it was. How do you tailor make this for someone who believes in traditional herbs and medicines? How do you tailor make this for um, for a mother who? Doesn't have access to or doesn't understand the words that we're that we're talking about, the word holistic. Mm-hmm. how you have to tailor make it to their situation. But in answer to your question, yes, there's definitely now a lot, a lot more talk of um of of making it a more holistic uh, treatment. The only thing is there's been a lot of res- there's still resistance to counseling. Uh, there's still resistance to accepting any form, any sort of mental health, Mm. calling it an issue. Yeah. Because you'll hear it, you'll hear it when people are talking, Um, for example, someone will say, all you need is just to come to the bar and have a drink. Mm. So this this is, they're telling someone maybe who's lost uh, a loved one and their solution is, let's go to the bar for a drink. Mm -hmm. while this person needs to process the loss of their loved one yes yeah um and but at the same time we need to add in what are the what were were the traditional ways of dealing with death that we've lost Mm -hmm. as a community yes so because we've moved into the city there was already counseling Mm -hmm. there was counseling in the traditional form Mm -hmm. there used to be Um, many, many nights where people would come and sit with you Mm -hmm. um, and you'd be able to take out whatever you're you're feeling. People would come and cook for you. People would come and just like that whole, I'd I'd say maybe call it group counseling because you're all um, mourning together. And from a traditional point of view, it was necessary to talk. And what is talk, but talk therapy because talking is part of the therapy. But now that's lost because the minute you bury someone, mm-hmm. go, everyone leaves because everyone has to go back to their nine to five lives or whatever length of time life where they have to go back to work. So you've buried someone on a Saturday. Sunday, everyone is gone mm-hmm. and you're left there. And so it's not, it's not unusual. It, of course, it makes sense that you're going to suddenly get depressed. Um, I don't know how it is in the States. Maybe you can expound on that. We want to bring back traditional methods of dealing with death because people are not, are not willing to accept the normal counseling because that is seen as you've got a mental health problem. Yes. But if instead we make sure that there's some form of group therapy, mm-hmm. that maybe would be more acceptable based on an African frame of mind mm-hmm. and if it's done in the city when everyone is back mm-hmm. from after burying their loved one in the village area, yes. um, maybe then that would be more acceptable. Yeah so just as an example.
0: Yeah no absolutely and I'm, I'm happy you ended actually ended up touching on that because it's true. We, we, we've also started to notice um, holistic has been a, a pretty common term as of recent in regards to just medical care in general but also stemming into the mental wellness field Um, but I did really love you touching on um, the perception of how to mourn and grieve properly because we definitely are nowhere near (laughs) being able to figure that out Um, here in the states at least I can advocate personally um, where it's very similar there's there's a sense of community for about three seconds of, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. And let's come together to Mm -hmm. mourn for three hours. And then everyone goes Mm -hmm. back to work and everyone leaves after the wake and they, they go home after the dinner. Um, Mm -hmm. And then what's left, but those who are actually mourning the, the, the loss of a loved one. And even then you might have to separate from your immediate family to still go back to your job still go back Mm -hmm. to your nine to five so that you're still mourning separately, even though you're grieving collectively with other people. Yeah. And yeah, that's, it's true. It's hard to, to find a balance in that um, where at that point counseling in the States has become The term itself has has been thrown around a lot more frequently. Um, There is a certain amount of acuity than some people are like, oh, like, have you thought about seeing a therapist or should you see a counselor, Um, which is comforting to know that that it's becoming more common in dialogue. But to the same extent of the argument of what you're moving through right now, we do still need more than just just counseling like we still need more Mm -hmm. talk of other modalities of how to help and heal people because it is on such an individual basis where maybe something like you were talking about on a more traditional sense with community talking and community grieving this could actually move people into a more healing direction rather than talking to a stranger for three hours
1: yes that is um and of course counseling has its benefits especially since the world that we're living in, counting has a place in it where you talk to someone who is not linked to you, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that we need to lose um, the aspects that were so great in in the traditional traditional life, because it's just not grief, there's also trauma. Um, Having to deal with trauma by yourself is really hard, but then if you're dealing with it as a community, as a group, um, it makes it so much more easier to, um, to, to go through. And just like you said, um, sometimes when you're with people who have gone through the same thing that you have gone through mm-hmm. and you're dealing with it together rather than talking to uh, a stranger for a few hours
0: mm-hmm. a
1: day or an hour, whatever, it is, whatever amount of time it is, mm-hmm. um, that will be so much more beneficial. Because I'm trying to think of what other aspects of um, counseling are there other than grief, trauma. Uh,
0: I guess, well, even family counseling in that regard, but that that in and of itself is community.
1: Yes. So um, we have counselors now Mm -hmm. who come into your home Mm -hmm. rather than you going into the counselor's office because people are not willing to go into... The ca- counselling room, mm. um, but would be how would welcome someone coming in, and the job of the counsellor is not to tell you or preach to you what you're supposed to be doing. Yes, it's just to, um, just to like give you a push forward yeah. in terms of, okay, these are the aspects that we've forgotten about how we're supposed to be interacting with each other. Yes, um, and. Now let's do it in a natural setting of your own home. And I think just, um, just like we said, like Africa is not a monolith. Mm-hmm. Um, even within Kenya itself, we have loads of different tribes. Mm-hmm. There, there is no monolith way of, of approaching mental health mm-hmm. because different communities understand mental health in very different ways. Yes. You may find one community that will actually accept quite readily Mm -hmm. um, a modern way of handling counseling because they're more of an educated, in quotation marks, Mm -hmm. group um, or community. While there's another community who heavily believe in witchcraft, you cannot take that away from them. You can't make them believe that witchcraft does not exist. So you have to deal with, with mental health, understanding that they this is what they believe. Mm-hmm. And then there are other communities who are very, very spiritual. Yeah. And then, so you have to deal with them based on that. There's a community, I believe it is a, it's in West Africa. I I can't quite remember which country in West Africa and I don't want to quote, quote it wrong. And this happens in different parts of Africa as well, where the chain people with mental health illnesses that chain them up to a tree because that is uh, as best as they could figure out to do and then have the have someone come to pray so they'd be chained up in either a church compound or wherever they're chained up mm-hmm. and the way that they're doing it is through they believe in prayer that this is what's going to cure this person yes. but these people who were unwell were really in a really terrible condition. Mm-hmm. So a way of um, of mixing the different modalities that uh, a particular man found to handle this situation mm-hmm. was he told them, okay, no, we're okay with the, with the praying, but we don't need to let these people suffer by chaining them up. Yes. Let's also give them some medication. Mm-hmm right let's give them some medication because these particular people were psychotic so they'd had psychotic breaks okay so once they had they got medication for the psychotic break Mm -hmm. and they were well the community could be like oh great um they've been healed by the power of prayer yeah but then you also know that okay the medication also took effect with this person and now and now people have stopped or reduced the number of of times that they take people to the churchyard to be chained up like an animal really, yeah. because they're psychotic. That, cha- that kind of thing doesn't really happen in Kenya. So you can't address Kenya mm-hmm. the same way you address, um, oh my God, I don't know why I can't remember what country it is in West Africa. There's, there were a few, there were a few in West Africa, yeah. but also in East Africa, we also have um, Somalia. I think Somalia was also doing chaining I'm not really aware of it in Uganda or Tanzania, but that just could be due to my lack of knowledge. Yeah. but I've not really experienced it. In Kenya, we're kind of uh, we have had we, we have quite a lot of me- mental health hospitals, even though they're not as good mm-hmm. as expected. So people do take uh, the worst cases to Mm -hmm. mental health hospitals but it's still so stigmatized if your person is being taken to a mental health hospital
0: it's just so intriguing and that's why i've loved coming together to have this conversation is because it was really prominent to me when i was with you over in tanzania where we had that staff meeting um Mm. and we were we were talking about anxiety and um, for everyone to understand a little better, we, the local boys in uh, the village of Coengua where we were, we had to actually describe symptoms of anxiety to be able to allow them space to understand exactly what it is to look for. Because previously they had not been exposed to either the term anxiety or understanding even what it looks like and it's Mm -hmm. so intriguing that there that was a moment in my in my life where it sparked and dawned on me that obviously there are many many different ways that communities and culture can experience mental wellness whether it be Mm. simply how the symptoms are presented or also how they are responded to from your community
1: yeah definitely um I think that was that was also quite eye opening for for myself mm-hmm. um, because as much as because obviously I spent a lot of time in the West, mm-hmm. um, so the question that I had to myself was, do they not experience anxiety, yes. because of where they 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 live yeah, and I have the, the world they live in, or mm-hmm. or do they just yeah, because if you ex- even explain what anxiety is, someone will be like, ah, but I know it by a different word. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was tr- just yesterday. I was trying to explain to someone mm. that I experienced depression mm. and they go to me, what is it that is going on in your life that is making you depressed? Mm. And I was like, no, 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 no. Um, it's you can have it as a disease. Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, all you need, I need to do is just pray. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you and it'll all go away. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the concept of it as just a disease of something that happens Mm -hmm. is, is beyond their understanding or, but then they understood the concept of it, but with the boys, as you're saying, yeah, even just like, this is not a thing that we experience. Yes. Society. Yeah. Right. Um, I would have loved to have a conversation um, with someone in my own world, but who has mainly lived in the rural community. Yes. Whether they also have a concept of anxiety Mm -hmm. or is it something that has come with a modern modern way of living that has developed a lot more with a modern way of living? Yes. And that's
0: what I was even curious of the moment that happened in the, in the meeting where my brain was in, immediately drawn to the idea of if like you said which is what you're moving through right now to begin healing with bipolar is this more traditional lifestyle where they are living in and that whole community of Cairo is a very traditional culture and if if they simply don't even experience it or at least not to the same degree that we Mm -hmm. do being in a more modern urban space with you know the expectations the the individuality this seclusion that we just naturally form and lack of community that tends to happen Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. you get thrown into this uh, material sense of nine to five and work 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 and even school um that we find in the states but also that you've seen in the UK and
1: Kenya as well yes um because for in terms of the city mm-hmm. absolutely for sure anxiety is is an issue yeah and it's a growing issue um uh but as for as for the village, mm-hmm. I guess my transition, my full transition mm-hmm. will, will tell me, cause maybe it's also partly uh, a coastal living. Mm-hmm. Cause just generally in Africa mm-hmm. um, or in East Africa, mm-hmm. Tanzanians are known as the people who take life a lot more easier, a lot more slower. Yeah. Kenyans are known as the ones who are more of the go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. So does the fact that the Tanzanians in general are known, uh, um, have a way of just being more laid back mm-hmm. that contribute to them experiencing less anxiety? Yeah. While if you're, cause the go, 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 go life that as Kenyans we have,
0: mm-hmm
1: is very similar to um, to a western lifestyle it mm-hmm. may not be at, at that level yeah. it's still we are still not as um, as fast paced our life is not as fast paced although it's getting there mm-hmm. it really is yeah um, is not as fast paced as when i was living in the uk the 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 number of relapses i had in the uk but i didn't know i had bipolar while i was there Mm -hmm. But I had so many breaks, I had so many um, mental health, depression, relapses, Mm -hmm. because there's no time for stopping, because you have rent to pay, and you have, life is so expensive, Mm -hmm. so you have to keep, you have to be on your toes all the time, and so therefore maybe that does the mind and the body get tired, while if you're living a lot more relaxed lifestyle, Mm -hmm. Um, which is what I don't know, which is generally as human beings, that's what our DNA was built for, was built as. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that is definitely something I would, I'd love to research that. I'd love to, or maybe someone else has already done the research (laughs) and I just need to to go look for it and see
0: what the results are. Yeah. No, well, I'm so excited that you've already just found this inspiration within yourself and and you're going to do it very soon and make the transition, which obviously is going to give you the more hardcore true data than you really need.
1: Yeah. So what do you, what do you feel for yourself? How would it be possible in, in the States as it is to, for someone who would like to transition into a less Mm -hmm. crazy life to do it? Gosh, I know. It
0: it seems almost impossible um, sometimes with just the way that our culture is set up. Of course, everybody tries to preach about, and I, I mean, I'm definitely one of those who, you know, tries to advocate for taking five minutes a day just to breathe for yourself or take a walk or, you know, things that seem so simple and so peaceful seem so out of reach for everyone. You know, I talked to my dad, um, who's a physician. He works 12 hours a day, and even then, on the weekends or on vacations, he's always on his phone. He's always taking care of patients. And I'm like, Dad, put the phone down. Just take a walk for five minutes for yourself. He's like, I can't. You know. And so I feel as though the conversation has started, and that's that is a very important place to be. But I think a lot of people are slowly but surely starting to recognize that there are ways to get out of this, almost this tunnel that we create from this go, go, go lifestyle where if you take a second to just really, you know, look at the sunrise, look at the sunset,
1: Mm-hmm. taken a
0: moment to breathe honestly that is the slow starting space that I feel like can really make a difference here in America because it's not like we have many opportunities to completely drop everything and move into a rural area and still sustain yeah. life we don't have we don't have a good community setting or A village setting where you can even work on a farm and have your food and Mm -hmm. be in a more traditional space without being able to have a job to pay rent and and have a living and um so i think our way of a transitioning into a traditional lifestyle is possible it just looks very different um, in that regard where i i do wholeheartedly believe though it is possible Um, I think there's a way for us to still do the dirty work and, you know, still go to our jobs and still pay our rent and still eat our food and like have food on the table and all that jazz, but, but live more simply by remaining in the present moment. And I think we can do that by those simple things that I had mentioned um, that bring us just fulfillment in the crazy city life, which is just and it looks different for every person, just I guess everyone finding what their, their traditions can be. So whether that's taking a walk, doing yoga, breathing, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. staring at the sunset every morning um, or like sunrise or sunset and trying um, to find, try and find ways just to connect back to nature when our urban lifestyle has obviously made that more of a challenge. There must be some states
1: that that's easier to do than others, right?
0: Very true, and I can advocate for that because I just moved to Oregon and everywhere wow. is green and beautiful.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, because but... I, I can definitely in um, Cairo, where we yeah. were, yeah, um, it's it's so much easier. It feels oh, a lot easier oh, yeah. than in some other cities um, in yeah in some other cities oh uh, on the continent down. oh um,
0: absolutely if I woke up in Cairo every day I would have not <laughs> a care in the world
1: <laughs> okay I that's I maybe I need to try and make that um, a possibility for myself every oh my week, gosh go wake up in Cairo for like a month <laughs> And then the life of the world just feels great.
0: Oh, it just melts away. Don't tempt me because I'm gonna drop everything and move back.
1: <laughs> I think I think we need to describe Cairo to the someone who's listening. They wouldn't know what oh, we're talking about.
0: <laughs> man, how do how do you even? I'm I'm staring here right now. I'm looking at I printed pictures that I had taken um and they're currently up on my wall. And I'm just trying to think of how to t- describe it. <laughs>
1: uh, gosh vibrant Uh,
0: beyond belief
1: so you step out of uh your door and Mm. um the first thing that you see is the sea coming up uh against the shore um and the water is really a brilliant blue right oh yes like clear crystal turquoise blue um and the sand is like a is the sun like almost whitish or like a brown
0: Like like an ivory, like a, yeah, Yeah. light pearl color, yeah.
1: Yeah, Um, what else? And um, I'm trying like the smell of the air in the morning. Just like this salty, beautiful, like beachy air. Yes, and then the people that you meet, um, Mm on the beach (laughs) just
0: the most vibrant and fun hilarious human beings
1: and the little kids oh my god the little
0: kids the little nuggets just so full of life and with so many smiles so much energy oh my gosh so much energy
1: Cairo is calling me (laughs) it is (laughs)
0: I'm booking the next flight. I'll see you there in two days. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to part one of Breaking Borders with Vivian Thomas, a series. And if you'd like to stay updated on Vivian's story, as well as so many others that are inspiring, empowering, beautiful souls stepping into their rawest and truest form, please, Give us a follow, not only on Spotify, but also on Instagram, at Ron Powerment. Thank you all so much. You are so welcome in this community. You are deeply, deeply, deeply loved. Thank you
1: all so much. Namaste.